I love the book of Proverbs. It's actually a book for my family that's generational. My grandfather, Cecil Griffith, you'll never meet him. He's in heaven waiting for you. He was a prison warden in Guyana in South America, and he read Proverbs every single day. Taught my mom to do it. And so when she lost her mom at the age of eight years old, she clung to the word of God to be a lamp unto her feet and a light unto her path. And Proverbs gave her wisdom that helped her see situations she was struggling with through the lens of faith, not through the lens of fear. Proverbs does that. And five minutes a day committing to reading Proverbs can change your life even if you're not a believer. And I know there's a lot of people in the room, you may never have put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ yet. You're on a journey to find him. And Proverbs is a great book to start because it reads like your thread on Twitter. And you just scroll it and it's got some wisdom. Boom, hits you in the face, talks about something else. Boom, it encourages you, it corrects you. And all in between, Proverbs is a book you need to keep your heart and soul and mind in. Week one of our series, Pastor Greg taught us how to get the most out of Proverbs. Week two, Pastor Josh Surratt taught us how to guard our heart above all else because everything flows from it. Week three, Pastor Adam Martin taught us how to get God's will for our life and today, we're going to talk about the way of the righteous. By a show of hands, how many of you know you love God? Easy question, layup. How many of you know, uh, by a show of hands, that God forgave you of your sins? Okay. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, one of the first things that plays in your mind is this phrase, I am righteous. Raise your hand. Got one lady. I got a six-year-old over there. And the rest of you know the truth. No. No. I am righteous. I want you to try it. I'm, repeat it after me. I am righteous. Say it with your chest. I am righteous. Let's try it again. I am righteous. It's kind of weird saying it out loud, right? Like, I don't know, if, but for me, I feel like a lightning bolt's going to strike me down by saying, I am righteous. When you read through the book of Proverbs, you see that there are two worlds described very clearly. The world of the righteous and the world of the wicked. And here's the problem. If you see being righteous as a destination that you have not arrived at, then when Proverbs is talking about who you now are, you'll miss the whole context of it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And when you surrender your heart and life over to Jesus, he transforms you from the inside out in a moment. If you are grateful for the transforming work of Jesus Christ, I'd love for you to make some noise in this place today. But we don't always feel that way. And if we're honest, we don't always live that way. And so I want you to think about 
righteous, being righteous through these two mental images. One, your cell phone. When you buy a new cell phone, it is yours. You own every single feature that is in this cell phone, but you have to learn how to use it. I try to teach my 78-year-old father a year before he passed away how to use uh, my cell phone. He's not a technology guy. And so it was like a whole new world. It was like trying to teach him sorcery or something. He's like, I do not get that. And so I had to tell my four-year-old to go teach grandpa how to use his phone. But it was like, no, dad, you don't need to take a camera with you. It's, it's already there. You, you, you don't need to grab your Rolodex. Like you can put it in there. It's already there. And righteousness is kind of like that. The moment we begin a relationship with Jesus, the fullness of all who God has called us to be is already there. But we have to spend a lifetime learning how to use it. So righteousness, kind of like a cell phone. Righteousness is also kind of like being an athlete. And the Holy Spirit showed up for me this week on a tennis court. And so I thought I'd share. Um, I was playing pickleball with a bunch of people on staff. And they're too good at it. Like Josh Surratt's too good at pickleball. That shouldn't be a flex, but it is for him. He's great at it. And between sets of losing, I decided to walk around this tennis facility. And I was walking around with one of the coaches, and he's been coaching tennis for the last 30 years. And it was a normal day. And there were athletes all around training. These tennis players were young and old, but their goal was the same in this training facility, which is to grow in their game. And so I saw two 75, 80-year-olds playing, and the game was legit. They were sliding on the clay, getting it in. I was like, man, those knees better be made out of titanium. I don't know how you're moving like that, bro. They were getting it in. And then there were some young athletes who play on the junior circuit. Juniors is like for high schoolers all around the country. They had some collegiate athletes, and then they had some professional tennis players there. And it was crazy to me to hear the stories of these players who had traveled all around the country and some internationally to come to Charleston so they can go to this training facility because they know that although tennis is an individual sport, the only way they're going to grow is together. And that's the same with you and your journey to become righteousness and growing in righteousness. It's just like tennis. Our walk with Christ, there is a part of it that is individual. Yeah, your daddy was a pastor, but guess what? That don't count. Yeah, your mom was a prayer warrior. That's cool for your mom, but that doesn't count for you. Your spouse prays every day. That's great for your spouse, but it doesn't transfer to your walk with Christ. There's a part of your walk with Christ that is individual, just like a tennis player, right? But... These tennis players who play individual sport know the only way they can grow is in community. They know that they're better together. I was watching this young college athlete. He was getting beat by this girl. She's like 90-something in the world. She was getting it in, and she was playing easy, and this poor guy was running hard. And the coach said something. He's like, oh, he's playing up today. You know, when you 
play with people who are better than you, you play up. I want to hit this <laughs> in the audience so bad. Catch it. Yes. Hey, thank you for not getting hit in the head. Um, what was I saying about Jesus? Oh, yeah, tennis. It's an individual sport, but you play up with who you're surrounded with. And so these players knew I'm good for Colorado, but if I can get to Charleston, That's where the real dogs are at. So they move everything to come. And that's the beauty of God's church is that we come together and we say we're better together. Before I got up to preach today, I said, I need some extra prayer or power. So I walked over to Joel Christie's, one of our elders. I said, hey, you need to lay some hands on me. Because I know it's not all about me. I need people who are going to help me be better. And so today, let's talk about the way of the righteous. I got four areas that the way of the righteous walk in that help them receive the gift of righteousness and also grow in the walk of the righteous. It spells path, P-A-T-H, and we're going to go through each of the acronym, and it's going to be amazing, and God's going to work. And you're going to cry. You can get a little convicted. You may not want to make eye contact with me. It's okay. It's okay. Just be glad you're in Manning, South Carolina today. Because I ain't coming for you. So let's talk about the P. Pursuit of wisdom. Pursuit of wisdom. I want you to just. Let me give you a mental picture before we go into Pursuit of wisdom. Because you need to be reminded why we're doing this. Um, Proverbs chapter 10. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. The name of the righteous is used in blessings. But the name of the wicked will rot. When someone says your name. And you're not in the room. Does it bring a smile or does it bring a frown? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Once upon a time, there's this couple and they couldn't agree on if they were going to tithe or not. One spouse believed that they should. One spouse wasn't there yet. One spouse recognized, hey, how are we going to give God 10% when we're struggling on 100? And through prayer, through some arguments, God broke through and they started trusting God in the area of the tithe. And what they found out is that 90% in obedience always goes further than 100% on your own discretion. Not talking about the Dell family, 2012. Somebody else. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. What the wicked dread will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. I've seen 
People disintegrate with problems that seem to be small. I've seen people rise to the challenge in problems that seem to be crippling. What's the difference? The righteous have a firm foundation to stand on. The prospect of the righteous is joy. But the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom. But a perverse tongue will be silenced. The lips of the righteous know what finds favor. But the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. I realized that my that's what she said jokes were costing me more than a punchline. And what I've seen God grow in me through biting my tongue is I'm growing in righteousness. So in my life, that's what she said jokes are down 20%. I'm not there yet, but your boy's growing in it. Let's talk about the pursuit of wisdom. First Kings chapter three. This would be a good um, sermon for the start of the series, because this is kind of like the about the author section. If I give you a book, what's the first thing you do? You go to the back, you go to the back and you say, hey, is this book any good? Is this book, should I read it? You read something about the author. And if you like that, then you're like, okay, I'll read that book. And this is the about the author section in the book of Proverbs. Question for you. What would you do if you got a blank check from God? What if God came to you in the middle of the day and said, hey, whatever you want is yours. I mean, I can give you a blank check right now, but as a thousand air on the first and the 15th, it won't go very far. <laughs> Your dreams won't come true, but you can, you can get a lunch, you know? But what if God gave you a blank check? God gave a blank check to a 12-year-old, and his name is Solomon. Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. You remember that whole thing. Crazy. He wasn't the eldest son. He wasn't the heir of the throne. He was just one of the spares. But through the hand of God, he became king of Israel. And the first thing he did was sacrifice a thousand burnt offerings as an act of worship to his God. And there was something about that aroma of generosity that made God say, whoa, 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 whoa. What does this kid think he's doing? I got to go see him. So in the middle of the night, in 1 Kings chapter 3, God visits Solomon and says, whatever you want is yours. I'm giving you a blank check. Here's his response. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And God's jaw dropped. The Lord was pleased, with, the Lord was pleased as Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and ministering justice, I will give you what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart 
So there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So when we read the book of Proverbs, we're reading a one of one. We're reading the, the words of someone who's never walked the face of the earth after. No one's been that wise. Hmm. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so there will be no one like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life. You got a blank check from God. He pursued wisdom. He knew at the age of 12 that given a blank check from God, the thing he needed the most was a wise and discerning heart. Wisdom is knowledge plus understanding. Wisdom is knowledge plus understanding, knowing what to do and knowing how to apply it in a way to get it done. Blank check from God. Do you want it? Who wants a blank check from God? The pursuit of wisdom yields this blank check from God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter six, but seek he first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So how do you do that? How, how do I pursue wisdom in a practical way? Invite God into the smallest decisions of your life. If you, if you invite God into the smallest decisions of your life, then what you will find is when the big ones come up, you know where to run. I was talking to a, a friend of mine um, Highly successful. And he was telling me of his six-month prayer journey on this Jeep that he wanted to buy. And I'm like, bro, you got money in the bank? Just go buy that thing. And he's like, no, I was praying on it. And God told me to hold off. He had this Jeep. It had all these features. He wanted that specific thing. And God told him one day in his prayer time to stop looking for it. It's too much of a big deal. Six months later, he was praying. And God said, hey, look for that Jeep again. And he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. His daughter just had a baby in Oregon. And when he looked that morning, the Jeep with every single specification that he wanted just so happened to have been returned to a Jeep dealership 10 miles from his daughter's house. When he already had the plane ticket booked to go see her. And for some reason, he was led to make it a one-way plane ticket. A guy ordered it six months before, and when he got it, he hated it because God had ordained a Jeep for him. That's crazy, but his heart is all about pursuing wisdom. He invited God into the smallest of things, and he did that to remind a millionaire that God was still in control. A teachable heart. Next part, A, a teachable heart. How teachable are you? How, how teachable are you? Are you easy to be coached? Because if you're going to be a great athlete, what do you have to do? You have to be coachable. How many of you know of athletes who were really athletic but couldn't be coached? How far they go? A teachable heart. Hear the word of the Lord. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. 
Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. That pro player who I saw last week, she knew that her game day at the tournament in Florida is only going to be as good as her grind in places that are unseen. If you love knowledge, you got to love discipline, the process of growing closer to God. But whoever hates correction is stupid. Uh, that's my, my, my three-year-old's favorite cuss word, stupid. Uh, we were reading this, and, and he goes off. He goes, but daddy, you're not supposed to say stupid. Stupid is not a good word. We can't say stupid in the house. If we say stupid, we get a spanking. I'm like, why are you cussing all of a sudden? <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Tell your neighbor, don't, don't do it. <laughs> Good people obtain favor from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. David said it this way in Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Within me. Did you know that there's another person on the teaching team that you've never met? They, they don't ever preach on a Sunday, but their impact is felt every single week. There's a guy by the name of, of Jim Geffert. Jim Geffert, he has the gift of silver hair and he don't care. We don't pay him. He is not bought around here. And from Greg Surratt on down, if you're preaching on this stage, he's got some feedback for you. So he comes in on Thursdays when we practice and pray. He gives us feedback. And after the 830 service, he gives you this <laughs> feedback. And you know what? Some Sundays I run to him when I preach. Other Sundays I'm like, I don't want to hear what that man has to say. <laughs> but I got to cultivate a teachable heart. So this is what he reminds me to do all the time. Hey, Joel, you got to smile more. You come off a little intense. Make sure you smile so people know you actually like them. Thank you, Jim. I'll do it. A teachable heart. Do you have some coaches in your life? Oh, you know, when you're in high school, you get a coach assigned to you. But when you grow up, you got to go find them. Who are the people that you submit yourself under and say, hey, will you teach me? Because if you don't have a teachable heart, then you will not grow. Joel, how do, I, how do I maintain a teachable heart? Just do this. Stay curious. Stay curious. Assume that you don't know everything. Get some coaches in your world. And then remember this. Your posture is everything. Your posture when you're receiving correction or someone is teaching you is everything. I messed this up a few months ago and I went home and I was just so disappointed in myself. Lynn Stroy, who's an amazing woman of God, she gave me some feedback, and I could feel my body getting brittle when she was talking to me. And I realized that I deprived myself of growth because my insecurities locked me up to grow. Has, have you ever had someone say, hey, how are you doing? And the moment you start responding, you realize that they have the attention span for a three-second response? Right? Have you ever, someone ever asked you how you doing? And before you know it, you tell them what happened when you were seven years old. How? How you unlock all that? Why? Their posture 
unlock something in you. And so your posture is everything. So pursuit of wisdom, a teachable heart, T, you can be pumped for this one. Truth trumps temptation. Truth trumps temptation. Listen to this. Temptation sells a fantasy and a compromise. Truth offers a hard road to a blessing you can keep. Truth sells a fantasy and a compromise. What it could be and your shortcut to get there. That's what temptation offers us. Truth It gives us a hard road to get to a blessing that we can actually keep. Hear what Proverbs says about the temptation of power. When you sit to dine with a ruler, know well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. The temptation to get rich. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Is power bad? No. Are riches bad? No. Actually, Proverbs has a lot of chapters that talk about how to get rich and keep it. But what it's saying is whenever you heed to temptation, you will believe a fantasy and a compromise. Here's another one. And this is actually my plan B one. I I wanted to go down the road of Proverbs chapter 5, which is all about sexual temptation. But I thought y'all weren't ready for that. That's a little much in church on Sunday. It's funny how sex is a gift from God himself, but the world is the only one that talks about it. So we try to receive the gift from God, but learn the pattern of it by the world and then wonder why is it all not working? But that's for another day. If I was a little bit lighter, you'd see how red I was right now. But let's talk about the temptation of addiction. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises, bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites. Like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights. And your mind will imagine confusing things. You'll be like one sleeping on the high seas. Lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say. But I'm not hurt. They beat me. I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? The temptation of addiction. Temptation sells a fantasy and a compromise. Truth, it offers 
a hard road path to a blessing you can actually keep. Right before we preached, my wife told me I look good. So I know it's going to go down today. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I had this flashback when she said that, like of me being 20 years old. And I just made a decision to really walk in the ways of God, especially with dating, which meant that what was in front of me wasn't for me. So I didn't date it. And I was at this New Year's party with all my friends and the clock struck 12 and everyone had someone to kiss but me. Even my ugly friends had someone to kiss but me. And I remember saying, oh, this is not good. And I drove an hour and a half away because they were drinking too much. I couldn't be around it. I was like, that's just kind of crazy. I drove an hour, well, no, two and a half hours away from Columbia to Hilton Head in silence driving and saying, oh man, this sucks. The path is hard. But now I got a blessing I can keep and sustain and I'm safe and I'm fully known and I'm free. But the temptation of the fantasy always comes with a compromise. But the truth, it's a hard path, but it leads to blessings you can actually keep. When I was talking to the coach about, um, I'm not going to hit another ball, I promise. Um, unless the spirit leads me. Um, when I was talking to the coach about tennis and we were walking around and this guy was playing up. The reason why he was playing up was because his head game was strong. Tennis is an individual sport and your mental, your mental power has to be clear and you have to get back up again after you fall down or after you fail quickly because you don't have four of the guys in the court who can pick you up when you're struggling. And so this guy was playing up because his mental head game was strong. H, healing power of your words. Healing power of your words. The words you speak to others, the words you speak to yourself would determine if you really walk in righteousness. Say it with me. I am righteous. In Christ you are. Proverbs chapter 12. From the fruit of the lips, people are filled with good things. And the work of their hands brings them reward. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Next one. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But people are tested by their praise. The words you speak over yourself create life and death. The words you speak over others create life and death. And the pathway of the righteous oftentimes is carved by the healing words that we speak for ourselves. And so today, I want to encourage you to get on the path. 
Get on the path. Pursue wisdom. Knowledge plus understanding equals wisdom. Pursue it. A teachable heart. Stay curious. Assume you don't know it all. Get a coach in your life and know your posture means everything. Truth trumps temptation. You know what temptation has offered you for all these years. Stop going down that road and claim the road that is founded in the truth of who God is calling you to be and receive the healing power of your words that are filled with life found in his word and who God is calling you to become. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God wants to give you a blank check, but he only gives it to the righteous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you, Lord God, that your word does not return void. And we ask you, Lord God, that today you will teach us how to claim the journey that you've called us to walk in, which is the way of the righteous. Bless us, Lord God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...